Hello and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter podcast, series two, episode 18, where we discuss groups from the 80s or music from the 80s, with uh, Rebecca giving her insight from the newer generation. So Rebecca, this week you had Five Star, Fine Young Cannibals, Mai Tai, Starship, DeBarge, and Cocteau Twins. I did. How did you find this week? Well, this week it's been nice because what I, weirdly what I've noticed is with all these 80s groups, there's not a lot of women. So we've had some women this week. And I think I say this every time I have women in the week, but it just shows how little I have women musicians. So we've had some of that. So that was a nice change. But it weren't like screaming 80s it weren't like the normal this is 80s music it was more just not average but like you could place the music in the 90s or now kind of thing like didn't have like the specific 80s sound if you know what I mean Um, and I feel like we've had a nice mix of genres I mean that's what I think but then I think of how you put people like bands together based on the genre or how they all link or whatever. So I'm like, I how? Think, to be honest, if I'm honest, that's luck. Oh. Because <laughs> I do it by when, oh. I do it on the year they first had a hit. Oh. So this year we're, we're pretty much around 84, 85. Okay. All right then. Well, there's a mix of genre in here then. Uh, so yeah. It's um, luck sometimes, as oh, we found okay. out last week with all the pioneering. Yeah. And um, we found out before with other things where they've linked together. Um, mm. It is people that, moving that bands. Is, yeah, yeah, that is pure luck. It is literally I just do it. Um, yeah, there is a bit of they're, they're similar music. Or, mm. you know, certain bands. You're I'll not going to put heavy rock them with the pop. No, no. So I'll try and put them together, but it depends on the amount of songs because I've obviously got to think of you who's got to listen to them all. So I'll try and you know. Usually mm. around 30-odd songs. I mean, to be honest, the further we're getting, the less songs there are because you've got less of the 80s, so to speak. Now, as we come into the middle, um, end of yeah. the 80s, where the beginning of the 80s, there was more hits because they had 10 years of hits, whereas now we're getting in, and obviously I'm now including songs that may have gone into the 90s. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So how many number ones, if any, do you think you listen to this week? I think I only I only went for one. I'm not going big lately, so I've only gone for one. Okay. What do you think was your number one? We built this city by Starship. Okay. All right. Well, we did indeed have only one number one. Oh, okay. So I'm right on that so front. Let's see if I've got the song where right. that is. Yes. Okay. So let's talk music. Yeah, let's do it. And um, first up then to discuss is Five Star. Yeah, so these were these took up the bulk of my week. There's a lot of songs from these. At first, I thought it was just a women group. It got me excited. But then I watched the videos, and it's actually three women, two men. Um, they're not your typical 80s, and this is what I mean by your sounding of 80s. It didn't have that sound. Def- I don't think they had a synthesizer like to have any sound of that. I'm classing them as just literal, just pop. 
and they were very consistent. They didn't change their sound. They didn't play around. They don't think there was any change in their genre. They knew what they were. They knew what they were doing. They stuck to it, and it seemed to have worked really well with the amount of songs that I've had. I think that so I watched four videos. They're very coordinated and love a dance routine, and then keep it simple. And the women all have like statement jewelry, like big earrings, but they all like it's just simple. They they have their look. They're not too much on the makeup. They're not too much. There's not like loads of color popping. They're very just focus on the music. So I liked that. When I listened to uh, Can't Wait Another Minute, the video is very specific to the song, like to the title. There's lots of clocks in there and it's all to do with minutes and it's like stopping and waiting and then going. And, yeah. Um, and then when I watched Rock My World, which was the last one you gave me, at first I thought there was a change in the group. thought there was only four, but then I noticed there was five. But whoever the lead vocalist is, is filmed by themselves a lot and it made it look like there was a change in the group because she had a very dramatic change in her hair but they all had a change in look they went for levers instead of like just but they were still coordinated so I'm intrigued whether there was a change in the group I don't think she was different I think she just changed her hair but yeah okay so five star were Stedman Pearson, Delroy Pearson, Denise Pearson, Lorraine Pearson, and Doris Pearson. Oh, so they're they siblings. They were formed in 1983 in Romford, London. Oh. And they are a pop, soul, R&B, funk group. Oh, okay. So right. going more to the soul, I suppose they were... The start of, you know, obviously we've already spoke about Spandau Ballet, how they moved over to this kind of music. Yeah. I suppose Five Star were the ones that then took that onto Cemented another level. It. And then I suppose Wet, Wet, Wet were probably the next ones that took it on again. I suppose right, if okay. you look at it, it went literally Spandau Ballet, Five Star, Wet, 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 I, okay. I, is how I would see it. Because they're all, I would say, based as pop soul. Okay. So, yeah. And am um, I right in Spandau Ballet you... become a pop soul group. Yeah, 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 they moved. Else. Yeah. And am I right in saying their siblings then? With so, you listed off their name. Buster Pearson, uh-huh. the father oh. of the sibling group. Right. Masterminded the group and modeled them on the Jackson Five. Do you know what? When I was watching it, I did think they looked a bit like the Jackson Five, but not like in any way being stereotypical or racist, or whatever, but just the way they were the way they stood like in the videos like how the formation of them I did get a but not by sounding or anything no so um I suppose they wanted to be their own self they had their own yeah self. yeah and I suppose obviously the Jackson 5 were like 70s mm-hmm. middle beginning of the 80s whereas these are obviously now we as I say 1985 we're looking at now so yeah. mid 80s Mm. Um, so Buster was himself a former recording artist and session musician oh. who set up Tent Records in 1982. Okay. And the group's debut single was actually released through Tent Records. So they went, obviously, because their dad yeah. involved. Yeah, I mean, you would, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and although not charting, the group did get TV exposure, I suppose, because of the way they were 
model, you know, as in promoted as in the English Jackson Five, I suppose it, the yeah. British Jackson Five, and that earned them a record deal with RCA. So obviously RCA saw them doing the TV shows kids tv whatever you know shows they were see, being seen on back then mm. and um they they signed them up so all that fall down was their first single released from rca and that reached number 16 in the us um hot rnb r&b singles chart okay so they made it out there pretty quick then so they've literally their first single that was commercially released went straight into number 16 in the us hot r&b Right, not the hot Billboard, which is the main one. Yeah, the R&B singles. The, one of the, one of their genre charts. Yeah. So um, at the height of their success, the group bought um, Stone Court, which was a large gated mansion. So they they done very well, and um, they liked people to know they've done well, Where, rather than public, privately, just you know, going off and going on about you know, their life. It, it was, you know, well known where that what they were doing and that. And um, the group bought it. It had a built-in recording studio where they they literally lived and worked. So they literally lived, oh, worked, and they all together lived together in wow. this mansion. So you know whether that's a, a good way of living, and you know, if you don't tell me that they that if you say that they had no arguments, no fallings out, and they're living like that, I'll be shocked. For them to be yeah, like family. Yeah. I, bet I'll be um, I would say they actually were a close knit family. If you when we carry on with things that have happened, so um, okay. but yeah, um, they also owned a fleet of supercars, um, including Lamborghinis and Ferraris. So they, they what else you're going to spend your money on? Yeah, yeah. However, by 1989, right, the group's popularity had declined, and their greatest hits album peaked at a lowly number 53 in the UK album chart. Oh, so that is a drop, isn't it? Yeah. So amid reports of bankruptcy, mm. the family sold their mansion oh. and moved to Hatfield in Hertfordshire. Oh, yeah, I know Hatfield. So they went there. While promoting their single, With Every Heartbeat... They appeared on a kids' Saturday morning TV show, Going Live, um, which was a a lot, you know, as it says, going live. It was yeah. it was live and everything. And um, there was a live phone in where you could speak to, you know, they'd have you know pop stars on, footballers, whatever. Yeah, you phone yeah. Up and you can actually speak to them, you know. And a teenager called and verbally abused them <gasps> and asked why they were so f b crap. Oh, on live TV. Well, so yes. Oh my goodness! Like, but I don't get it. They had like all these hits. Wow, not by nineteen eighty nine, as you're as I say. You'll find out when we go through their their hits. So by nineteen ninety, the group, through manager um, Dad Buster, so he was mm. their manager, obviously, mm. and what have you. They he was at loggerheads with RCA, the record company who then dropped them because obviously there's no Not point having people money. if you're 
not getting anywhere and they're getting bad exposure on TV. And so you can imagine that all the, all the press is about bankruptcy. It's about people phoning in on live TV shows. There's no positive. So there was no positivity whatsoever. So um, they signed instead with Epic Records. Okay. Yet again, despite having heavy promotions, uh, their next two singles, which were self-produced, obviously in their, their, I guess they still had a recording studio somewhere because their dad had still tent records. Um, and they both failed to reach the top 40, both the singles under RCA. And, and, and the Epic. Album, under Epic. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Epic now, yeah, sorry. Um, so under Epic, two singles were released, both failed to reach the top 40. The album also failed to chart. Oh so God. the third single from the album, which was planned, um, ended up not being released. It I just don't get what was their downfall. What made them all of a sudden not have hits and people hate them? Just other, other groups come along, wet, wet, wet. You know, as I say, there was others. They, you said at the beginning, you know, they they had this one sort of um, but, style. Yeah, they they stuck to it. Obviously, mm. worked. Well, sometimes you need to change, as as we saw with Spandau Ballet and mm. others. They do change. Um, if Five Star weren't to change, their fans, you know, you can only listen to, you know, you say they got a lot of hits, but it's not. You can only listen to the same sound. You know, it's probably what one greatest hit CD. Yeah, 16 on there. I'm just like, oh, my God, like they all of a sudden, they were doing great. And then so it's like they were hit by having these hits. Mm. Or you'll find out if they're hits. Did they have a number one? We'll see. Um, to suddenly being getting bankrupt, they spent all their, their you know, they had but that's their fault. That's their doing it. Spend it, yeah, no, completely. But they wanted to show off their wealth, to show off, and maybe people went and were against that. Maybe, you know, yeah, I was going to say maybe know, people started turning. Everyone turn likes and people bought. showing yeah. off their money and that, and they thought, a bit oh, snobby and you know, than everyone else. They then go on TV shows. They get you know, verbally abused. Not nice things um, spoke to them about and what have you, and yeah. then. They get dropped by their record company, signed to another record company. Things don't go well there, and the record that record company actually doesn't even release a third single from the album. I mean, you wouldn't, um, know, would you? So no. So then, in October 1990, Stedman uh, pleaded guilty to a charge of public indecency after oh. being arrested in a public toilet in London. Okay. Um, and following this, and obviously everything else that was obviously happening then, because we're literally going from 1989 to 1990, where all this is literally in those one and a half years, depending on yeah. when you know, it first started, uh, the bankruptcy, um, they relocated to America. Oh, so they're like fleed England. Yeah. So, but the whole group. So again, when you're saying, they obviously don't tell me there weren't no arguments, that like they seem to have been very tight-knit as a family, Mm, together and they kept their image yeah so after the release of their sixth album and they kept going um, which wasn't even released in the uk it was just released in america where they now are epic records dropped the group okay the group then released their heart and soul album which would have been what their seventh album seventh on their dad's label, Tent Records, which was obviously still that. going, but, I, you know, they were probably the only group probably on using I was going to say, like, I wonder who else he had. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. Um, but again, chart success eluded them, and the group informally disbanded. So they never formally disbanded. I mean, but if you're siblings, if you're siblings, you're not going to, like, properly disband, are you? No. Um, so then in July 2012... 
Right. The five siblings performed at the Rewind Festivals in Perth and Henley. Oh. And then in October, so that was July 2012. And then in October 2012, Buster died. So the dad, that's dad. dad obviously, yeah. the, the manager, uh, the person behind Tent Records, who they're now, well, I suppose, because they've disbanded, they're not, but that's who well, they're yeah. with, because they're not, they're not signed to anyone else. And Lorraine formally left the group while the four-piece continued playing okay. at summer festivals like Rewind and Let's Rock. Okay. Have you seen them then? No, that's what I was about to say. But I, I mean, that was 2012, and I've probably been going to rewind since probably about 2014, I think. Oh, okay, and so I've never seen Five Star. Oh, okay. Um, and I've not seen um, um, uh, any other festivals that we haven't gone to either. So um, I think maybe with Lorraine leaving, they've and obviously their dad dying, um, that maybe or maybe. passing away, shall I say? They've um, they may well have now ceased um, mm. performing, but. Um, I can't confirm that because there's nothing because they've never formally disbanded. Yeah, so it's not like they've officially put out a statement. Back up, but they certainly haven't been anywhere, or not that I've seen. Okay. At the the main festivals, so Five Star had six top ten singles. Oh, okay. They had two top ten albums. So in 1986, Silk and Steel that got to number one in the album chart. Right. And in 1987, Between the Lines, that got to number seven in the UK album charts. Okay. Which I suppose is probably when they were mainly at their... I was going to say, they were, they were early six, ones, I'm guessing. Seven. So I will now go through their singles. As you said, there is a few, but um, you'll see literally where they peak and then start to wane off. So right. 1985, as we've already said, All Fall Down, which done well in the US. Um, that got to number 15 in the UK chart. Okay. Well, that one got me from the first beat. It's very simple, but it uh-huh. just, like, it got my attention. Okay. That's good. Obviously got a lot of other people's attention, because I suppose that's what then they... they yeah, it, like, know, pushed them. Pet, push, you know, started from. Yeah. Uh, 1985 still, Let Me Be The One. That got to number 18. Okay. This one's got quiet vocals. And bear with me here. There's a jingle in it. That sounds like Whitney Houston, like not as in it's her. I mean, there's a Whitney Houston song, and I can't remember which one it is. Like it's the beginning of it where it goes, dun, dun, dun. oh, I, I'm not going to do it. I can't think of what it's called, but there's a jingle that sounds like that, and that kind of got me because I was like, oh, where are you going with this? But it was it was nice. Yeah, uh, 1985, Love Take Over. That got to number 25. Okay. Well, that's got a really catchy chorus. Really enjoyed that. Okay. And still in 1985, RSVP. That didn't chart. That got to, well, it did chart, but not as for you normally, because it was number 45. Okay. It wasn't that bad. It was faster paced than the previous three. And they brought in some kind of percussion instrument. Like you could hear something different, like it stood out and it gave it that, like how I say they're consistent, it made it have that different tone to it. Uh-huh. Okay, moving on to 1986 and System Addict, which I have to say is probably my favourite song of theirs mm-hmm. um, and probably the one that brought them to the the global 
um, or not global, but as far as the UK go, it, it brought them to the to the forefront of right. UK music. Okay. Um, so it was their first top ten hit, and it got to number three. Okay. Well, I recognise that one. Like, it sounds familiar. So I don't know, like, I mean, it might have been played with, like, you or whatever. But the chorus is the main focus. It was nearly a favourite of mine as well, but I've decided against that one. Okay. Steakin with 1986, Can't Wait Another Minute. That got to number seven. So that's now two top ten hits. Okay. That was my favourite. That's what I went with. It's a head bopper. It's really sing-along. It's really catchy. And it just, it, yeah, it's an all-round. 1986, still. Uh, find the time another top 10 hit number seven okay so we're at their peak kind of now aren't we um it's got a good beat to it uh, but it's not got much body to it it's just it's, it's nice sounding but there's not much to it okay uh 1986 rain or shine was their biggest hit at number two. Oh, so we haven't got number one then given that away <laughs> they've got very good harmonies in this and this was a really heartfelt song so as much as I say they're consistent they're consistent in sound but they do have their upbeat and their slower or love song ones and this was like the first of them it was really nice it was a nice change okay 1986 if I say yes number 15 okay this one was just repetitive but catchy 1987 now, Stay Out of My Life, number nine. Okay, I really like the lyrics of this one. Um, it was a lot slower than like the others, um, but the lyrics stuck out to me and I started, of course, it's me, so we sing along to it. Okay. Um, 1987, The Slightest Touch, number four. Okay, I didn't think much of this one. It's okay, but again, there's not much to it. It could be more of a background song. Okay, well, loads of people did. Um, mm. And that was their sixth top 10 hit. Yeah. Um, 1987, Whenever You're Ready, number 11. Okay, I found that one quite quiet. It, so it weren't a background song, but the vocals were quiet compared to the music, if that makes sense. Fine. 1987 still, Strong as Still, number 16. This was a nice love song. It was like a very obvious love song. It was deep and passionate. It gave them a little bit of a change, even though the sounding was the same. The lyrical change was nice. Okay. Uh, still 1987, Somewhere, Somebody, number 23. Okay, this was a nice upbeat one. I quite like, I enjoyed this one. So it hitting that high is quite shocking. But yeah, it was a good one. Uh, we're now going on to 1988, Another Weekend, number 18. Okay, this was an in the background song. It didn't bring much to it when you compare it to the others. Fine. And then lastly, 1988, Walk My World, number 28. Okay, this one just, it was a lot calmer. So for him to end on that, but it, it was weird because they've had their nice upbeat share, but this one yeah. just calmed down a bit. And obviously, as we've already said, after that, their hits just dried up and yeah. um, didn't even make the top 40 or anything. I mean, I'm guessing they didn't even make the top 100 because they weren't even listed. Were, mm, but I can mm. see. Uh, so, yeah. 
Okay, moving on then to the fine young cannibals. Yes. So, um, they've got, oh my God, he's got a very lovely, distinct voice. I could listen to his voice all day. I've watched him live at Rewind as Roland Gift, um, who's the vocalist who you'll be on to in a minute, but you're correct. He has, me and Yvonne, when we left, the very first time there was him, uh, Jimmy Somerville was there, and we were blown, we we were surprised how good Roland Gift was, you know, on his own and, you know, ah, yeah, I totally agree. It's beautiful. I could listen to that voice. He doesn't need anyone else at all. It, it's like literally there weren't much, there's not much need to say about fine young cannibals because all I can focus on is his voice. Like, and I'm like, I got from the videos, there's three men. So you got the Roland guy that you've just mentioned and two others, you know, they keep it simple in their videos. No, when I watched um, the flame, it was a bit trippy. They had, they like, it was like they split their heads into three using like, graphics whatever and they would then like all overlap and I was just there like this is not what I want to be watching like after work like no thank you but you know they kept their videos simple they seem very casual in their clothing um they're quite young I feel feel like they don't age that much so I don't know how long they were around for and their genre I feel like I've got it okay so I wrote okay. down blues jazz soul and then I was like right okay whenever I write these down dad always tells me it's something else so I went for sophisti pop okay <laughs> that's you so want to find if out I, if you're right if I've not got it I'll be sad because <laughs> I've gone for sophisti pop remembering okay. that it's like a soul poppy sure. thingy yeah okay go so the fine young cannibals were Roland Gift on mm-hmm. vocals did you say Raymond? It's Roland. No, I said Roland. Oh, you did. Okay. So Roland Gift on vocals, David Still on bass, and Andy Cox on guitar. Okay. Have you heard those two names before? I ask. Andy Cox. And who's the other one? David Still. So. No. They were formed in 1984 in Birmingham. Okay. And they are pop rock. Oh. Sophisti Pop, Scar, Progressive Soul Band. I'm sorry, but Pop Rock and Scar, like they're 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 different to like Soul Pop and Sophist. What? I, I totally agree. I mean, I would probably have them as uh, they're they're very much. I mean, it's funny. I've put them in with Five Star when I said that, but they are they could be quite soul-y. Yeah, especially with his voice. Yeah, Sophisti Pop. Is, I'd go right that, that's the main said. one. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, David Still and Andy Cox were both formerly in The Beat, or English Beat. Oh, I don't remember their name. Doesn't stick And out to me. following the band being disbanded, they both listened to over 500 cassettes of potential singers to join a new band. Really? So um, they eventually obviously heard Roland Gift and went with him. At first, the band couldn't get a recording contract, but when the video of their song, Johnny Come Home, 
uh, appeared on a TV show, The Tube. So again, it's one of these shows where new music gets a bit aired, and they still you, you still see it. I think on the Sunday brunch, the one on Channel Four with Tim Lovejoy. I think they yeah. put on new, you know, and I suppose it's similar to that, right? Um, back then, um, so yeah, they were they were appeared on the TV show, The Tube. And the band signed up to London Recordings, which is a subsidiary of Decca Records. Okay. On the back of that TV show. So I feel like getting on a TV show is helping people. Yeah, well, yeah. Because as I say, the big thing much. was you, you need to get the airplay. Mm. Um, so it's, it's either through, um, I've forgotten his name now. John Pill. John Pill on um, Radio One, who was a big yeah. um, pioneer or big, you know, got behind new bands. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, getting just in the chart and getting onto top of the pops was obviously a, may, a big thing. Which would be luck um, as well. Which, you know, we've we've shown with um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, I suppose, more than anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and others. And then, obviously, yeah, as you say, um, it's it's going on TV shows where people yeah. go in live. But we've had... You know, some, the Tube and mm. other, there's other things. Pebble Milk One, I think, used to be another one where on the on a lunchtime, you know, had a band on at the end. But the um, TV shows seem to be a more recent thing as we're going. Yeah, so that was something that obviously this. was coming around now. Mm. You know, MTV is probably highlighting that people want to watch music yeah. on TV. And so suddenly, you know, the talk shows and what have you started to move into the... To the getting them on in like a break. Getting, getting bigger. I mean, obviously, we already knew about Elvis Presley and the Beatles and things like that, but outside of those, it probably didn't get the exposure as much mm. as, as it and there weren't as any, many anyone people. who's anyone was getting on to a, yeah. to a TV show if they, yeah. you know, they, they wanted. They wanted to make it. So the name, um, Fine Young Cannibals... That comes from the film All the Fine Young Cannibals. So, oh, okay. Just, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just if you're wondering to the where point. the name comes from, it's a bit of a weird name. I didn't even think, usually I'm a proper name person. I didn't even think yeah. of that this week. <laughs> I think I'm distracted by his voice. <laughs> so in 1986, the band covered Elvis Presley's number one hit well number one in the u.s it was actually his last number one it was only number two over here mind you right. uh, suspicious minds which was ah, um, say, so that's why that sounds familiar because i wrote that sounds familiar for that one and i was like why like i've never heard of these i don't know anyone else that sings a song now okay so i so, would have yeah. heard it, it was only number two over here for elvis but he was number it was his actual last number one in the u.s Mm. Um, so yeah, um, in 1990 the uh, band won two Brit Awards, okay. uh, one for Best British Group, and one for Best British Album. Okay, that's okay. not bad then, is it? In 1990 they also won an Ivor Novella Award for International Hit with, or sorry, International Hit of the Year, right? Or their uh, She Drives Me Crazy. Okay. They disbanded in 1992, although they did reform in 1996 to record The Flame, which was to promote their greatest hits album, The Finest. Okay. Do you know what the annoying thing about The Flame was? Their version is not on Spotify. On Spotify, you can only find, like, remixes. It was annoying, so I had to... Watch and that's probably because this, it wasn't released as on any of their albums. It's well, it's on the finest album, mm. which is a greatest hits album, because that it was literally just released for that purpose. For that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's a bit like, I mean, I hard done the same with butterfly butterfly. Yeah, I was going to say, we've had ones like that. Roland Gift uh, still performs at Rewind and Let's Rock festivals, as I say, I have said, seen him. Seen. And um, mm -hmm. I would definitely recommend anyone, because he has still got the voice from back in the uh, late 80s. Um, so Fine Young Cannibals, they had five top 10 singles. Right. So if you think they had five, and yet you probably didn't have as many songs. No, as not to five add nine. You had six. Yeah, I had nine um, from these, and I had sixteen and, from uh, Five Star. Like Five Star, they had two top ten albums. Right. Uh, 1989's War, the War and the Cooks got to number one in the album chart, and in 1996, the finest, which we just their greatest album. album, that got to number ten. Oh, okay. Okay. Fine Young Cannibals, yep. 1985, Johnny Come Home. That got to number eight. I don't get it. This one was not much to it. And the voice, the vocals are different in this one compared to the rest. So this one doesn't, it just doesn't fit in. It's it's not an up there one for me. I suppose it's you got to remember this was, this was done, I don't know whether it was re-released by the record company, but obviously this was a song that got them noticed. Mm. So they bought this out and then got noticed. But whether it was um, remastered or remixed or anything to uh, to get to number eight from the original, I don't know if that was the original got to number eight, which right. they noticed, or whether they just heard it and well, then like, signed yeah. them up and then got them in a studio and redone Johnny Come Home. I don't, I don't know, but right. yeah, that was obviously yeah. that song. Um, 1985, Blue, number 41. Really? Oh, I like this one. It was it was repetitive, but it was very catchy. And this is where I really noticed, like, because I said, oh, they said that Johnny came home, that vocals are different to the rest. So I was like, yeah. oh, the vocals have changed. And that's the, like, it drew me in with the voice. But it was, yeah, it was catchy. Have something about it. Okay. 1986, as I've said, their cover of Suspicious Minds, number eight. Okay. As I say, I thought it sounded familiar. Now I know why. Because I've, I've, like, I mean, if you've not heard Elvis Presley songs, you've you're living in a box. So yeah, it sounds familiar. And I, I was just again, I was just like, he's got a beautiful voice. That was yeah, it really stuck out. I mean, a pull off an Elvis Presley song mm. is quite something, really. Um, and to get it as a hit. yeah, top ten. Uh, mm. Nineteen eighty-seven, ever fallen in love, number nine. So this one was quite quiet, and again, it sounds familiar, but I feel like it's in a film. And I don't know why, I want to say that it's in, like, a Shrek film, or, like, used mm -hmm. in, like, you know, like, in a soundtrack where it's kind of just in the background yeah. music kind of thing. I feel like it's in something like that. Like, I recognise it too much. I don't know whether it's a cover or whether it's their own, obviously. Because mm. you know, that's what I also thought. Minds, but I don't mm. know about ever falling in love. Um, 1989, I did look this up. This is definitely theirs. Okay. She Drives Me Crazy, which is my favourite of theirs. It's, again, like Systematic was for, for um, uh, Five Star. This was a song that probably alerted me to them. And right, I okay. Like, oh, wow, I like this music, you know. Uh, number five. Okay. This was also my favourite. Um, it's, like, just got those simple lyrics and it's... You know, this chorus really, like, gets me. Like, the music going with it. It's just an all-rounder. It's just got that something and everything just flows and works together. And it's sing-along, so. And also, on the back of the Finest album, that obviously was um, 
well, 10 years later, or not quite 10 years, well, it's 10 years from an April, obviously, Suspicious Minds was 86. And 1996 was when The Flame came out, which obviously was for the mm. Florence album. Um, 1997, She Drives Me Crazy was re-released. Okay. And it got to number 36. Oh, wow. So it's still hitting in the charts. Um, still still a, a chart single, yeah. Yeah. Uh, top 40. Uh, 1989, Good Thing, number seven. Okay, I was gonna. I wrote down, is this a big hit? Because I recognize it. I feel like it might. I wanted to say it might be their biggest one because of how much I recognize it, but it's obviously mm. not. Uh, it's just, it's got a really good beat to it. Yeah. 1989, Don't Look Back, number 34. Okay, this one was more in the background. It's upbeat, but that's all it's really got. There's nothing pulling you in and keeping you there. Okay, 1989, I'm Not the Man I Used to Be, number 20. Okay, what was really weird is they calmed it down, like they got more slower songs. But it was nice because it was a lot of focus on his voice rather than the music as well. So that was what was nice about this one, the focus on his like talent of singing. And then 1996, The Flame, number 17. I just saw this one as more more of a love song. Which was nice, um, and like I say, like they must have started just going in some different direction with the last two and how they were different sounding to the rest, that like they weren't as upbeat and had the music behind it as well. Yeah, okay. So that was Fine Young Cannibals, mm-hmm. with one top five hit there with um, She Drives Me Crazy, their biggest hit. So we move on now to My Tai, May Tay. And now you want to pronounce it. I'd go with my tie. Did you? My tie. That's, yeah. Okay. What did you think of this group? So I thought these had the most 80s feel from the week. I thought Five Star and Fine Young Hannibals were, you know, like I've already said, you could put them now and they'd fit in the charts. They don't have that 80s sound to them. And then when I got to this one, I was like, okay, we're getting the 80s sound back. But as you'll see when I talk about them, the rest still aren't the 80s sound. So these are the most 80s feel. Again, there's more women in this. They're a trio. They've got lots of energy. And they're coordinated as well. I really like it when the style of the band are the same. I watched them on Top of the Pops and, you know, they've got lots of energy and how to work the crowd and everything. I only had two songs from them. So I listened to two others. Um, I listened to Am I Losing You Forever and Female Intuition. And they were two different songs. And um, we had the Karma, Am I Losing You Forever, but had amazing harmonies and shows that they can really sing together. And then you had Female Intu- Intuition, which was more upbeat, had you tapping along to it and really gets you moving. So yeah it was weird having those two compared to what i'd already listened to they were quite different so but i guess the two that i listened to were hits and these two weren't so it shows what people wanted at the time but yeah and i went for just plain pop for these okay so my tie were eric van teen producer oh i was gonna say flostma producer oh jetty wells wills without the H, backing uh, vocals, Mildred Douglas, backing vocals, and Caroline DeWint, backing vocals. They were formed in 1983 
in? Do you know where they possibly are from? No idea. Amsterdam, Netherlands. Oh, really? Dutch. Yes. Okay. And they are seen as a soul disco pop group. Okay. I don't quite know where the soul comes into it. No, I didn't but, hear much. Uh, yeah. No. Of that. I can agree with disco, though. Yeah. Their debut single, Keep On Dancing, 1980, from 1983, was only a hit in the Dutch nightclubs. Okay. Their second single reached number 24 in the Dutch top 40. So they were just seen originally as just in their own, you know, they weren't international. They were just in their own. Only hitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, their international breakthrough came with the single History. Okay. um, Which was actually from their debut album. Um, The song was successful all over Europe Mm -hmm. and as well as New Zealand, Australia, and over in the US, where it peaked at number three in the oh? US Billboard Dance chart. Okay, dance chart, not the Billboard. Okay. Not the 100. Not the, yeah. Um, the group disbanded in 1988, oh. although Jetty Wells Wills released a few solo singles in 1989 and 1990, right. uh, while Mildred Douglas also released a solo album in 1990. In 1993, Jetty Wills and Carolyn DeWint re-teamed with a new member, Lisa Neuer, and over the next three years, they released several moderate, moderately successful Euro House singles, but nothing that... Really Euro House? Yeah, and I suppose because that's what the main single, the song, I suppose, again, it's back in Holland or, sorry, Netherlands. Yeah. And um, I, I suppose... Europe, as in mainland, like Germany, and that where I think Euro House was a bit bigger than um, over here. here. Okay. House. And um, they had two top 10 singles of which you listened to. Both. Okay, so they're both top 10s. Both top 10. Now, is there a number one? I can't see there being a number one. 1985, History, mm. number eight. Okay, well, that was my favourite. It's nice to sing along. They keep it simple, to the point, you know, and it's that got that upbeat feel, gets you moving. Sure. And in 1985, Body and Soul, number nine. Yeah. I hate when you do those long pauses. I'm like, go on then, where is it? <laughs> and that one was just, like, really catchy. But you can see, like, from what I've said about them to the other two that I listened to, it was that difference in sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving on then to Starship, where you think the number one may well be. Yeah. So, go ahead. Talk me through Starship. Uh, I, think, I think they're a really upbeat group. I didn't, again, we built this city. That's one where I think you're born and you know what it is. I didn't know, well, I've never heard of Starship, so I didn't know who sung We Built This City. Um, I only had three from them, so I listened to three other songs. So I listened to Sarah, which was like an upbeat love song. It was, a, it was really nice. And then It's Not Enough, which is a head bopper. Um, and I feel they all take turns singing, whether they're all singers or the vocalist is just really talented and can change their voice a bit, I don't know. And then they had a Don't Stop Believing. So I'm guessing that's a cover because that was sung by 
journey wasn't it was it yes. journey? yeah so i'm guessing they've done a cover of that so that was quite nice to hear but you know it didn't really it, i don't really include it hence why i listened to three because i listened to that one second but yeah they've all got similar hair they look like rock stars so i went with like a pop rock because they're not like the songs aren't like in your face rock i don't think they've yeah. got that something else to it um and I don't know, they just seem like quite powerful, like in the way they sing and the way they are in the videos. They're just quite, I'm here and I'm doing doing my thing and I'm good at it. And they're just, like the passion comes through, I think, and their talent. Okay. So Starship were or are Mickey Thomas, vocals, guitar. Yeah. Craig Chakiko, guitar. Donnie Baldwin, drums. Grace Slick, lead vocals. Pete Sears on bass and David Freiberg on keyboards. However, after 1985, it became Mark Morgan on keyboards, who joined in 1987. So okay. there was a, a year or so where they didn't have a keyboard player, we'll see, and then they re got one. They were formed in 1984 in San Francisco, California. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they are a rock, pop rock, arena rock band. Oh. So okay, so I've got the pop set. rock, yeah, oh, yeah. But forget about like things like arena rock. But then I guess that makes sense. Like arena rock, it's very like entertainment. I see that as, and yeah. yeah, they're down that route. So they've got a bit of history behind them. So they were originally called Jefferson Airplane. Um, okay. And then they were called. Jefferson Starship. However, after a change in personnel and musical direction, um, the founder of Jefferson Airplane, uh, Paul Kantner, took out a lawsuit against the group. Oh. Of Jefferson Starship. Yeah. Now, they settled out of court in the end. However, both parties agreeing, which I suppose was the big thing for them then a settling, both parties agreed not to use the name Jefferson right. or Airplane unless all of the Jefferson Airplane members agreed. So right, the, okay. the, the original group, which was founded, as I say, by Paul Kantner, uh, was called Jefferson Airplane. They then changed it to Jefferson Starship right. after a change of personnel on that. Um, however, the original member or founder of Jefferson Airplane, who obviously yeah. there's for no whatever reason no longer in it, uh, musical direction change and what have you. He took out a lawsuit against the Jefferson part. Right. The airplane also come into it. All agreed not to use it and hence they just they dropped Jefferson and just became Starship. Okay. It's a lot of effort around the name, isn't it? It is. Yeah, never fall out with people. See, people have a right so many times. So many. So, only Grace Slick is an original member from Jefferson Airplane, who is now with Starship. Okay. So all the others gonna get confusing. When? So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So she's she's the only original from the the original. that makes sense. So while Grace, Pete Sears and David Freiberg and Craig Chiquico were also in Jefferson Starship. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. So she's the only one from Jefferson Airplane. And then the other three that joined Starship were also in Jefferson Starship. Right, okay. okay. So she's gone through the whole name change. She's been through the whole name through. change with them all and stayed with them. And the others joined in on, as I say, at Jefferson Starship. The second name. And the others, Mickey Thomas, uh, Donnie Baldwin, they joined um, just a Starship. Right, yeah. Okay. God. So David Freiberg became quite frustrated with the band and um, obviously they had irreconceivable differences. He was dismissed in 1985. Okay. So, as I say, he, he was the keyboard player and he wasn't replaced by Mark Morgan until 1987. Okay. Yeah. So the band had two number ones in the US Billboard Top 100 chart with We Built This City and Sarah. Oh, from the platinum selling album Knee Deep in the Hoopla. Their follow up album, No Protection, released in 1987, was certified gold and featured their third US number one single, Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now. Okay, so listen to I've listened to some big hits that well, they hit in America. Obviously, I never gave you it. But you said you've listened to it. Yeah, As it yeah. Is, I have written down there, funny enough, because obviously I've mentioned it. Sarah only reached number 66 in the UK. Oh, okay. How I find it, I always find it strange when they hit so big in America and then over here they're flops. And it's like, yeah. why? What? I mean, I get there are, there's so much more of a music and it may our be charts just, are we smaller. Didn't, we didn't know about them and it wasn't mm. a big enough hit to, to make a, an impact. Yeah. And probably if they re-released it over here or after, after their the other hits, two, yeah, they, they may, it may have well um, mm, charted much better. So they had two top twenty singles, and they had one top forty album, which I've already mentioned from America was the 1987's No Protection mm-hmm. that got to number twenty six over here. Okay, so not a high, high chart, but... it was a gold award winning album over mm. in America. So, their songs. Yes. So, there was also Jane. Yeah. From 1980. Yeah. That got to number 21, but that was under the Jefferson Starship. Oh, my goodness. That makes so much sense. So, when I was looking for a video called Jane, all I could find was a Jefferson Thing and I was like, well, that can't be them because it's the first one as well. I didn't have a clue what people I was looking for. I was like, oh, that can't be them. So I didn't watch it because I was scared that maybe they didn't because not, they, there's not a video made for every single song, is there? No. Um, so I was like, maybe they didn't make one for this one. That makes sense now. There you go. I could have watched it. Right. That was the the only real hit under or over here from under Jefferson Starship name. before they then became Starship. Right. Okay. It was in 1985 that they had their next big hit over here. We've, we built this city. Yeah. Now. Go on. You said that Starship would be the ones with the number one. Yeah, with this song. And you said this song. Yeah. So you may be shocked when I tell you that this song. Have you said that it did not make the top ten? I swear you said they've got top two top ten singles. Top 20 singles. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. My bad. Right. Go on then. Where'd it get to? It got to number 12. Okay. 
All right. Well, this is another one that I've just seen today. By the way, Jane in that song, I've no idea what they're singing. And it just oh, okay. doesn't fit. But now you've explained that it's from Jefferson Starship. Having the change in people gave them a different change in sound. And as I said, sound. the musical direction. So obviously some yeah. people want to go so this Jane, route, others yeah. want to go another route. Yeah. They so split. Jane and then it doesn't fit in. I was like, why right. have you given me like that? Like, what are they doing there? But now obviously yeah. talking to it all makes sense. So, yes. um, but we built this city. It's catchy. I've already mentioned it's another one of those that you just seem to know. And it has been covered by Lad Baby. Um, I don't know if you know or heard of them. They're the ones that like to sing about sausage rolls a lot. Uh-huh. So they, instead of, they've changed the lyrics to do with sausage rolls and they made it, I'm pretty sure they made it a number one. It was a Christmas number one. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure they changed it from, we built this city on rock and roll to we built this city on sausage rolls. Something okay. like that. Yeah, he likes doing that. Oh. So I thought, mention that. Okay. So they've got a number one with a cover and whatnot, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But not themselves. And then in 1987, so two years later, or one and a half years later, depending on when they were both um, released, um, nothing's going to stop us now. Mm-hmm. That was a top 10 hit. Okay. It got to number one. Oh, so I was right with the... With the amount of number ones, I was right with the band, just the wrong song. Okay. Just the wrong song. Well, that was my favourite as well. Yeah. Um, it's sing-along, it's a bit slower, and I feel like, like has it ever appeared in a film? Not the video, well, the video made it look like it was in a film. Oh, okay, it may well have been. But it might have just been the way that the video was shot as well, like you don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, okay. that was a good one. I'll so take go. that number one. There's your number one. I'll take so that. Nothing's going to stop us now. 1987 from Starship. Yeah, that's fine with okay. me. Moving on then to The Barge. Yeah. Only had one song. Yes. Rhythm of the Night. You know, I, I went with R&B. He's got a very feminine voice. The video is very fun. You know, like they're all dancing. It is literally that rhythm of the night. Um, and then I listened to two more. One called I Like It. And I just thought the instruments were just a bit too much. It's a lot slower. And then who's holding Donna now? It was just like both of those songs are just too much of a change from Rhythm of the Night. So that's what they hit with. Their other songs, completely different. Um, And I couldn't find any that had the same tempo as Rhythm of the Night. So you can kind of see why they may not have hit if that's what people were liking. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so the barge are oh, Mark the Barge. Right. We know this is named James after them. The Barge. Oh, okay. L the Barge. Oh. Bunny the Barge. Randy the Barge. And Bobby the Barge. Oh, so another family group. Another family group. Pure Ooh. coincidence. I, put I didn't know that the Barge was a family group, if I'm honest. Obviously, I knew about Five Star. Um, they were formed in 1979. So oh. you know, they, it took a while before they become a, at least a, 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 yeah. over here. They may well have been uh, bigger in, in America, but certainly not over here. Uh, they were from the Grand Rapids area of Michigan, and they are an R&B, pop, soul, funk band. I'm doing good with these genres, you know. You are. I am. Yes. You're learning. 
I am. It's taken. But well done. Um, so they actually started performing in Detroit, Michigan, where their Motown CEO and founder, Barry Gordy, saw them and um, agreed to sign them up. So he, oh, the again. actual CEO of, of Motown Records, he wow. was the one who saw them and signed them. And then in 1982, James uh, joined the family group in time for their second album. So James, obviously a younger brother, right. wasn't old enough at first, and yep. he joined, which I think was similar to the Nolans. I was going to say, that's Col- uh, Colleen. Yeah. So um, in 1983, the group released their third album, which reached gold status in the US. Nice. Following that album's success, the group were handpicked by Luther Vandross to open for him on his Busybody tour in 1984. Who's that? So they toured with Luther Vandross. He was he's a big singer from the 80s, soloist singer. Okay, yeah. never heard of him. Okay. So um, also in 1984... James the Barge, who's the younger one, younger who's one. Long joined, mm-hmm. um, he made the headlines when he secretly eloped with Janet Jackson from the Jackson family. Um, oh. However, their marriage was quickly annulled the following year. So um, they weren't married. Oh, for so long. they weren't married they for long were, at all. They were married. They were eloped year. off, though. Yes. Their hit single, Rhythm of the Night, was actually written by Diane Warren which might be why the difference in um, you're saying it's totally different. It wasn't actually written by them. Um, It was written by Diane Warren, uh, a renowned award-winning songwriter who has um, wrote many songs for various artists, including Cher, Celine Dion, Leanne Rimes and Aerosmith. So she is, that is what she does. She's a songwriter. I think Bruno Mars started off as just a songwriter for others and then obviously started singing himself. I don't think Diane Warren has. I think she has released uh, um, like albums of her songs, but obviously with the groups singing them sort of thing, I think, um, from what I could gather. Now in 1988, younger brother, Jonathan Chico DeBarge joined. Right. However, later in 88, Bobby and Chico um, were arrested for drug trafficking and were both eventually charged and convicted and sentenced to five years at two different prisons. So they weren't together uh, to serve their sentence or sentences. Mm. Um, The subsequent convictions brought an end to the group as a musical entity and that they disbanded in 1989. So this one, they had some fallings out in a sense. They weren't as tight-knit as... They weren't as tight-knit and as, as, I suppose, you know, a bit like musical youth. um, Mm, They're young and... Yeah. But yeah, this was the younger brother, got involved in um, drug trafficking with Bobby... Mm. and um yeah that just were, sent him down the wrong path and what have you um while in prison bobby confided in the family he had contracted hiv oh um and then um in august 1995 at the age of 39 bobby died in a hospice of aids oh, and how old was he he was 39 oh that's so young isn't it uh, they had one top 10 single of which you've listened to, The Barge. 
uh, Rhythm of the Month. <laughs> yeah. So that was released in 1985, and it got to number four. Number four. Okay, nice. Well, I recognised it, and I feel like with this song, you can't help but tap along, and you can't help but be in a good mood. Like, no matter what uh-huh. mood you're in, if you listen to this song, you're uplifted straight away. Yeah. Okay, so... Moving on then to the last group that you listen to or band, we are moving on to the Cocteau Cocktail Twins. Cocteau mm-hmm. Cocteau Twins. So, sticking with siblings. Yeah. I'm wondering whether these are twins because of the name, but I feel like they're not going to be. We've had our, I feel like we've had our siblings for the week. Um, this music is very swaying music. There's not much upbeatness to it, but she's got a beautiful voice. But weirdly, all the songs are similar for this group, but not in the same sense as Five Star. So with Five Star, they were similar and they had their more upbeat in their thing. They like found the sound. This one, they were so similar, they could basically all be the same song. But then she's got this lovely calming voice. Oh, it's just beautiful. And also, I really would love to know where they're from because I'm pretty sure they don't sing English half the time. No idea what they're saying <laughs> in half the songs. Like, legit, no idea what they're saying. In most of the songs, I've either written not English or no idea what they're saying or what. Like, I have no idea. They keep it very simple with their videos where they just focus on her who's singing and then he appears every now and then. And genre, no idea. No idea. I've never heard music like this before. Wow, that's no interesting. Idea. You don't know idea there. That's that is interesting. So, are you ready then? Yeah. So we will tell you what the genre is and where they're from. Okay. So the cocktail twins are Robin Guthrie on bass stroke guitar, mm-hmm. Will Heggie on bass, what? Elizabeth Elizabeth Fraser on vocals, and Simon Ramond on bass stroke piano. I have only ever seen two people. So um, Simon Ramond replaced Heggie in 1983. Right. So there was always, it was a a trio. Right. Okay. Okay. They were formed in 1979. So again, like um, the Barge. Took them a while to get a hit. Yeah. um, In Grangemouth, Scotland. So they're Scottish. Well, do do they sing in Scottish then? Scottish, there's not a like a, a, a it's just an accent. There's not a, it's not like Welsh where they got their own um language well, or their own way of you know. Oh yeah, they don't have a Scottish language, do they? It's just a very strong. No. Well, they sing in something. They're not singing English. I can tell okay. you that now. Have you listened to these songs, Dad? No. Right. I'm not, I'm not a... <laughs> yeah, you're not a fan. Well, go and listen to at least Bluebeard. And Akia Guinea, they are not singing English. If you can understand what they're saying, even Pearly Dew Drops drops. They're not singing any any of them, Dad. They're definitely not singing English. Okay. And or they, I don't know. Like you know, like in classical music, when you have no idea what they're saying. Yeah. It's a bit like that, but she's not classical, so it's not like you can blame it on that. I legit thought they were like singing a different language. Okay. Well, 
So yeah, they were formed in 1909, Grangemouth, Scotland, and they are dream pop, gothic rock. Okay. So the band was formed by Robin Guthrie and Will Heggie, uh, with Elizabeth Fraser joining in 1981. Okay. Um, in 1983, Will Heggie left and was replaced with Simon Raymond. Raymond. The band is seen by many as pioneerings, pioneers of the alternative rock subgenre dream pop. But I, just, I don't know. I don't get what that is. They're not rock no. in any way, shape or form. It's a subgenre, so dream pop. Well, there's definitely a dream in it, like because of how Carmen her voice is, but like, like it's quite angelic. Uh-huh. So the band's I mean. early work drew influences from Susie and the Banshees and Joy Ooh. Division. Oh. So after nearly 20 years together, the band disbanded in 1997, partly due to issues stemming from the disintegration of Fraser and Guthrie's romantic relationship oh never get in a relationship with, with blooming people that you work that closely with it's not gonna work is it so in 2005 the band announced they would reunite to headline the coachella a music oh. and arts festival in california they've been to coachella I've never heard of it. It's like it's a massive music festival in America. Oh, right. okay. Like yeah, all so. the big A-listers and everything. Well, they were going to headline there. it. They were headlining it. Well, okay. I'm never going to Coachella if that's the music that's there then. Okay. So I'll re- re- go round about over it. So in 2005, the band announced they would reunite to headline the Coachella, a musical and arts festival in California. Yeah. And then embark on a world tour. Okay. However, but yes, the reunion was cancelled a month after the announcement after Fraser refused to perform on stage with Guthrie. Is that her ex? Yes. Well, there you go. Then that's just stupid, isn't it? You've just messed up your old career. Yeah. Then in a 2021 interview, oh, Simon Ramond confirmed that the cocktail twins will never reform because of the relationship because of obviously so it just i don't know going so it obviously wasn't i'm guessing one one didn't want the relationship and the other still did i don't know um, who knows or they just i don't relationship, know but yeah who knows it obviously didn't end well obviously not but it just shows no. you do not work with people uh get in relationships with people that you work like i mean it's what we've seen okay it work twins. i was gonna um, say we've seen it work and it's know. funny this is a trio called the Cocktail Twins, Cocktail Cocktoo oh, Twins, of which two of them become an item, mm. romantically involved, as it said. The same happened with the Thompson Twins, another trio yeah. called the yeah. Twins, and Tom Bailey and Hannah, mm. got, no, Alana, they um, become, they got actually got married. Um, yeah, like it can no work, married, but it you know well it didn't because they're now divorced. But no, yeah, but I mean it didn't not, um, like mess logger, up. The they're not a loggerheads, I don't no. think. No, and like we've seen it work with others. Like yeah, um, aren't people in Abba? Didn't they? weren't they married? Yeah, they, they were, were all married. married. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then they carried on. You know. Yeah, well, they actually made songs about the separation. Yeah, <laughs> make so, money yeah. off our divorce. Um, it's fine. 
So they had one top 30 single. Right. And five top 20 albums. So they were mainly an oh. album group. Yeah. So in 1986, Victoria Land got to number 10 in the UK album chart. Okay. In 1988, Bluebell Knoll, that got to number 15 in the UK album chart. Mm-hmm. In 1990, Heaven or Las Vegas, that got to number seven in the UK album chart. 1993, Four Calendar Cafe got to number 13 in the UK album chart. And then in 1996, Milk and Kisses got to number 17 in the UK album chart. Okay. So, yes. A lot of those um, based on album. albums rather than singles. That's, yeah. I wonder if um, their albums um, tell a story and you can work out what they're saying. So, from the songs you had the cock t- for the Cock Two Twins, mm-hmm. 1984, Pearly Dewdrops Drops. Yeah. Number 29. Okay. I mean, you can hear the passion in her voice. No idea what they're saying. Okay. 1985, Ikea. Guinea got to number 41. This was my least favourite. It's just noise more than anything. Right? It doesn't have much to it. There's no context. Going from the way you're talking, to be the least favourite of the least favourite group isn't, isn't a good advertisement, really, is it? You know. Um, <coughs> 1990, Ice Blink Luck got to number 38 okay there's too much put together like too much like there's too many different sounds put together um i think it would have worked if you took made it if you stripped it back a bit it would have worked a lot more okay 1993 evangeline number 34 okay this was my favorite it's slow it's got a focus on her voice which I have mentioned is a beautiful voice. So it was nice. Still no idea what she's saying there. Okay. 1994, Bluebeard, number 33. Okay. This is a more in the background song. It's not bad. It's just, it's just there. Yeah. And in 1996, Tish Bite got to number 34. Okay. So they weren't a high hitting group. No. Um, and this one. Hence like, I said they had one top 30 hit, yeah. which was the first one, Peely yeah. Dew Drops Drops at number yeah. 29. But in Tish Bite, it's just that's where I was like, her voice is very angelic. Uh-huh. Fine. Okay. So I suppose now I need to ask now we've listened to, or you've listened to, we've discussed all at six groups mm-hmm. is um, whether they were hits or miss for you this week. So we'll start with Five Star. They were a hit. They're right up my street, like with, and the songs they get. I mean, I can understand, you know, if you listen to it constantly, you may get bored and want to change it up a bit. But I do like the consistency and all songs, majority of the songs were a hit with me. I'd listen to that again. Fine Young Cannibals. Again, another hit. The voice on him. I could just listen to him, just, just him all day. It's just beautiful. It's lovely. Okay. Mai Tai? Mai Tai? Uh, never miss. Okay. Just uh, There was only two songs. They yeah. weren't bad. Listen to others and it weren't along the same sound. So I wouldn't explore them anymore. Okay. Starship. 
they were a hit, nice upbeat, and the other songs that I listened to, I wouldn't listen to Jane again, wouldn't go down that route again, but the others and the other ones that I listened to, all the similar, um, and it's got that, like that little sound that I like with it, and sure. I can sing, and, and I recognise two of them. Jane is from Jefferson, yeah, Starship, which yeah. is actually a different group in a sense. Mm. Uh, Debarge? So they only had one song, with, yeah. and obviously I listened to others. Now that's one song I will listen to again and again and again, but as a band, so the song is a hit, yeah. but the band as a whole is a miss, because obviously when I'm thinking about hits and misses, I think about the songs that you've given me, but it's more about are they going to, if they ever did come out and release new stuff, would I listen to that? Would I go and explore their other music? these i've explored a few more of their songs and because they're not that similar sound um i don't have that same beat like they're all they just changed their tempo completely it's not really something that i think would be a hit so the band is a miss the song though okay. fantastic and finally the cocteau twins they're just they're a miss i don't think i'd ever listen to them again i don't have a clue what was going on when i was listening to them i was like what have I gone to some weird place? It was very bizarre. Um, are they worse than Selector? No, no, no. so still Selector is still Selector. I was able to pick a favorite, and I think what saved them is her voice how beautiful her voice is. Like, you, there's talent in these this week. Obviously, you've got Fine Young Cannibals, there's um, like his voice is just so amazing and then you've got her voice and it's just something else so it's yeah it's up there but never again please okay so moving on to next week's are you ready i am so episode 19 will be discussing yeah pet shop boys oh okay I've been waiting for more of yours. The Cult. Okay, never heard of them. Red Box. Okay. Power Station. Nope. Big Sound Authority. No. And Opus. No. So I only know Pet Shop Boys. And to be fair, thinking of Pet Shop Boys, I don't think I could name any of their songs. Or I can't think of their sound. They're not ones that I think I've listened to loads of you. So okay. I'm still able to right. go in without any expectations, I think. Yes. Okay. So I will send you over the songs for those six bands. Mm -hmm. And um, we shall discuss them next week we shall yes other than that i will say goodbye let you go and um look forward to uh finding out what you think next week yeah all right then i'll get my listening on thank you and goodbye bye dad <laughs>